Welcome to another episode of Ed's Up, sponsored by the Southern Early Childhood Association. Ed's Up is a podcast all about children and those that care for them. Hosted by Dr. Melody Musgrove and Dr. Kathy Grace with the Graduate Center for the Study of Early Learning at the University of Mississippi. Welcome back to Ed's Up. I'm Kathy Grace and so glad to be visiting with you today. Uh, We are so fortunate to be able to interview Dr. Thomas Moore, who is a longtime friend of mine and of children all across the world. Dr. Moore is nationally recognized as an early childhood consultant, author, and children's recording artist. He has been around the world, truly, in uh, working with teachers of young children as well as children. He has provided a keynote address to over 1,200 kindergarten through 12th grade teachers at Harvard. He's gone to China. He has had teaching workshops in Nigeria, St. Croix, and Germany. And he's also been a solo artist at Carnegie Recital Hall. So he has a wide range of experiences and a very colorful career. Dr. Moore has taught in various universities across the country. He is a co-author of uh, Where is Thumpkin? Do You Know the Muppin Man? And The Cow Jumped Over the Moon. He has also been a contributing author of uh, the DLM Early Childhood Express and author of Music Movement and more. He's a former columnist for Children and Families, which is the official magazine of the National Head Start Association. He's written for Young Children, Early Childhood Today, and various other journals in early childhood. Uh, He has produced nine educational recordings and a DVD. He has a lot of awards, but he says the most prized award that he has is the Angel Among Us Award. That was presented by the kindergarten through second grade class in Laurenburg, North Carolina. Now, I will say that Dr. Moore doesn't have this particular episode in his career listed, but it's one I want to share. During Hurricane Katrina back 10 or 12 years ago, he was gracious enough to come to the Mississippi Gulf Coast as a guest so that he could provide some joy to the teachers there who were very, uh, as you can imagine, distraught over the conditions of their personal lives as well as what was going on in the environment in which they used to call home but most of them had lost their homes. And we couldn't find a piano up and down the coast, and we finally found a a keyboard in one church that hadn't had any real damage to it. And so we had the teachers come in and spend time. And uh, as they were leaving, they indicated to Dr. Moore and to me that this was their great Christmas present for the year because he was able to provide them with some joy and some happiness that they very much needed. And so I would say this about Thomas. Thomas has found ways to touch the hearts of thousands of teachers and children through his music and through his uh, commentary as he goes about singing because he shares his lessons, not just through music, but through conversations. And so, Thomas, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited about this conversation. And one of the reasons, one of the most uh, important pieces to this is when you called me and asked me to come, um, you were saying these teachers need something deep. And uh, what I think about is when we 
as early educators, uh, what, what happens with us is we realize that children need something that's deep inside of us, that that thing deep inside of us comes forth as we are with children. And they help us to become people who are special. I think people who work with children are very special people. So we have to encourage each other to, to bring forth that specialness. And sometimes it is through a song. Uh, other times it may be in just a hug or, or a just being available to hear what the child has to say to us. Well, we have a sort of a starting question we've asked most of our guests, and I don't want to leave you out. So I'm going to ask you, how did you become interested in children's music as a career choice? You obviously had many options, but what about it in maybe through your childhood or through people you knew uh, led you to embrace children's music or children as the audience of your music? Well, I realized that any time that I was around children, one of the ways to get them involved is to sing a song. And uh, it's not so much that I have to come up with the song, because in many cases, they're going to say, listen to this. And then they start singing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. Uh, and I know also that the important piece in this is that children are wanting to be engaged with the adult. And it just seems that something special happens when the adult sings with the child. And, and so I, I get involved in the music because of the fact that the music is something that is easy for the child to be involved with me. And what I realize is, as a child, um, my parents would sing with me, and and the people in my community would would sing a lot of the songs that uh, we had in common. And um, so, I was always looking for a way to be engaged with the people around me. Well, I was going to ask you because I know that you are also uh, a very fine pianist, so. In terms of your musical education, you started as a young child and then just through continuing on through your childhood and into teen years, you just gravitated toward, as you say, making your connections with people in that way. Is that part of how you came to be uh, such an accomplished musician? Well, I wasn't the the pianist in our family. My older brother was the pianist in the family and there were six of us, and uh, I was the second. And my oldest brother was the one who played piano uh, on a high level. Everybody wanted to hear him play, and it was hard for me to even get to the piano because he was practicing three and four hours a day. And so I did as much as I could to get to the piano. But the saxophone was my first instrument. Uh, as a 10-year-old, I played the saxophone, and then I played the trumpet, trombone, and, and eight other instruments through the years. But piano became the instrument as my brother uh, left to go to college. I was able to play more 
And piano became the instrument that uh, I would use to accompany other people as they sang. And uh, when I would get it with children, I, even when I was teaching at, at the uh, at Indiana State University at the lab school, I would use the piano as a part of my teaching that uh, we would use the piano. And I, re- I often would see children over at the piano playing around with the piano. And uh, I remember one little boy said to this little girl, you can't play right now. She says, but I want to play with you. So I play on one side and you play on the other. He says, no, 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 I have to play all by myself. And then he said to her, well, you can come back in five minutes. And then so she went off to play. And then like within 30 seconds, he says, "Okay, you can come play now. And I was just watching that and I was just watching. So it's not all about they're learning music, but they're learning something about sharing. And this is what has happened with me with music. I have learned a lot, a lot of things uh, far beyond what I was taught about music. In early childhood, there is so much that we can learn as we watch children in their play around music. Well, and I think part of it is that you hit on it is that you watched. You just watched. And so I think some of the things we have to remember is that we need to take time and watch and not be so uh, determined that we're going to tell the children everything all day long. We need to step back and and take some time to watch and to listen what they have to say. Now, as you've traveled around the world, have you found anything as a universal theme through your travels with regard to the interactions that children have with music or with you? Uh, Well, what I find, what I found was that the thing that we have in common is that the the child, the children everywhere, they're looking for somebody who will open their hearts to them. Uh, several years ago, I was on the way on my way to Washington. I was driving from North Carolina to to Washington, where I was doing the opening for the International Early Childhood Conference. And what I told the people was on my way here, I called my mother back in North Carolina and I, I asked her, mom, what were you doing 65 years ago? And mom said, well, on this day, 65 years ago, she said, well, they were rolling me down to the delivery room and I looked up and I sang every time I hear a newborn baby cry or touch a leaf, or see the sky, then I know why I believe. So I thought thought about that, that what happens is when babies come into the world, I don't care where it is in the world, but this mother is connecting with this baby, and this baby gives this mother something that is unmeasurable. And so what happens as we go to be with our babies, we become different people. So throughout the world, the world has has before it babies being born. And so something is being born in all those people who are who are now in the life of that baby. 
but the the adult has to open his or her heart that now the the man can become a father now the woman can become a mother and now the thomas more can become a different person that there is something in me that has has come forth because i have allowed myself to be with the baby so the baby is a connector for all of us and when i was in china or when i was in denmark or when i was in nigeria it's these young children when they would see me they would look at me and they're looking into my eyes and they're looking to see am i someone who will be with them and what they, what i find is no matter where i was children would recognize that thing in me and they would they would switch that switch within me and then we would play and sometimes i didn't get to use language and sometimes the piano wasn't there but at all times i seemed to know what to do and they seemed to know what to do and we were having a ball well in conjunction with what you just said around joy and enjoyment the last 18 plus months uh around the world has been pretty tough given covid the uh new at least in this country the new variant that we are now struggling with and we have all dealt with extreme emotional highs and lows and it doesn't seem to be letting up as quickly as we had hoped uh even a few weeks ago this has now come up at least in parts of the country and we live in one part of the country where it's becoming a very much back up into high numbers of people who are sick or who are passing away. And so how can how can parents, how can teachers use music as you keep talking about this connectivity that music helps us establish? How can we help with that connectivity uh, with young children so that they can have as normal a childhood as possible so that they can enjoy life, so they can have fun being a child, so that they, when they come back to school, will be able to relax a little bit in the sense that that adult in that classroom, as you said, is is keeping them safe. So what are some things that you would want to share with our audience around how to be sure there's emotional safety in classrooms? I would say sing, sing songs. Um, my mother, when my mother calls me, she's in an assisted living facility. When she calls me and sometimes she's upset because she doesn't know who the people are in her room, uh, who that person is or who the, the, the nurses are. She says, I don't really know these people. And so I will... I will just start singing something that I remembered from our childhood, whether it was Twinkle Twinkle Little Star or, or Jesus Loves Me. I just start a song up. How much is that dog in the window? And mom sings, ah, and then it, it, it changes the energy. It changes her energy. So that's the thing that we have between the two of us. We have these songs in common. But I think we should be singing more to children so that we can have these songs that we sing together, whether 
It is in our classroom, our preschool classrooms or in our homes. Uh, we need to be singing and not so much going to a recording instrument, something to record something or to sing from a recording, but to say to the child, this is a song that I sang when I was a child. And sometimes when I am singing those songs with children, I say, now this is how I sang the song when I was a child. So my voice changes and I use my child voice and the children get really excited about it. I have a children's choir at my church and recently we we started back having choir rehearsal and during the choir rehearsal you know we're we're outside um, of the church because we're not singing inside we're, but we're outside in the parking lot and we are near an airport and so the plane is coming uh, you know we're singing and all of a sudden the, the plane is coming over and you we have to stop because we can't hear each other and after the plane is landed, then I will say, yeah, that was, that was a loud truck. And then this child said, that's not a truck. That's a plane. And I said, it's a truck. I looked on the outside of it as it was flying over and I saw T-R-U-C-K, truck. And the child says, no, it's a plane. And I'm saying, well, if it's a truck and a plane, we put the two together and we get a plane truck. And they start laughing and they're going back and forth. And some of the younger ones are saying, what if it was a dog? And, and then there's a whole conversation that is being led now by the children. They're, they're thinking of combining, combining words. And it was an interesting thing for us. But then there is something we are creating in that moment that only can be created when we allow children to take the lead. And that's what I do is I set them up so that they can take the lead. So here we are with a choir rehearsal, but we are doing something else. What I am doing is trying to bring some joy because we have been away from each other for a year. And so now we're together and I want to add something special, but I, I want us to go through that early childhood way of doing it, that we come to play and then we have this adult who is hanging around to observe what's going on with the children. And then from time to time, we will lock eyes with each other and then we will say that special thing. And what I said to them was, I'm so glad that we're here. And I know that we're going to have a good time today. And that's what I do is it's just kind of setting up a space for me to say something that's meaningful and something that goes a little deeper into the experience that the child is having. Well, one of the primary messages throughout your career as I have followed it is that you have been using music as a way to communicate the importance of unity and that given the social context in which we're living in today, how can we continue that message of unity and stressing the importance of self-worth and community? 
this is a big question. I know when we don't have three or four days that we probably would need to just get started on it. But my personal concern is that we have not provided children with opportunities to see what unity looks like. And so how can we, through what we do in either at home or at school or in both places, in your expertise with the use of music, how can we try to reach inside each of us, as you've said, to help children understand more about what we are in the sense that we're more alike than we are different. And that's part of what you, what you sing and talk about. Yeah. Talk about your friends, talk about your family, um, let children see pictures of you with, with your friends. Um, And, and this is one of the things that I think that people are, are longing for uh, because we've been a, away from each other for for a year and and when we come together it's important for us to to feel safe uh, I talk about safety a lot it's uh, throughout my career from time to time I've been in spaces that are unsafe but I have also, in those spaces, I've looked around and I will see someone that I have experienced as a safe person. And once I find that safe person, then I can, I can have fun. I can play. I can be engaged in all kinds of conversations and feel that everything's going to be okay. I am encouraging people to uh, to express their love to their friends and their families, to openly say, you know, you are somebody that that's very important to me, and I want you to know that. And I encourage, I'm encouraging parents to write letters to their children, their their adult children, and their grandchildren. Uh, write letters of love, just just a love letter. And when I'm around children too, that I am speaking a lot about my, my mother, I'm letting them know that I have a mother and, and I talk to my mother about how much I love her. And, and I sing songs with my mother and I, and I read letters to my mother and things of that nature, but being more proactive about getting words of love and care for others into your conversations with children and just do as much as you can to say those kinds of things that will help children to feel safe. Uh, because in a lot of cases, they're feeling that there's tension and they're feeling the tension. But to balance out that, I'm, I'm doing as much as I can to spread love through words and deeds to spread as much as I can. Well, you have certainly given us a lot to think about, and I am so appreciative of you sharing your, not only your book sense, but your knowledge of the world, what you've experienced over the, how many years of being involved in children's music? Probably 45 years. I was going to let you say that instead of, <laughs> I, I realize you started at the age of three. Uh, <laughs> 
You, know, you said a lot of things that will, I hope, give people pause to think, regardless of, of how old they are, if they're listening to this as a grandparent or as an aunt or as a person who just really is involved in the education of children. But these are, are important things for us to consider all the time, but particularly during these times that we're in right now. So I'm going to let Dr. Melody Musgrove read us off for this particular episode and uh, welcome everybody to join us again. Remember, this is Ed's Up. Today's poem is Morning Fog by Bettina Van Varenberg from FamilyFriendPoems.com. And it's about using our imagination to think about all the adventures that might be waiting as we look out at a fog in the morning. Morning Fog The morning fog, white and dense, comes creeping in through the garden fence. Over the grass, over the lane, all the way to my windowpane. Gone is our garden with the old oak tree. A sea of white is all I see. In my imagination, my bed is a boat. I open the window and I go afloat. Smoothly I sail on the foggy sea with my doll and my teddy for company. I am the captain. They are my crew. We're headed for a land no one ever knew. The sea is calm. All is going well. The life of an explorer is really swell. But then, just as I see my destination loom, out comes the sun and I'm shipwrecked in my room. That's Morning Fog by Bettina Van Varenberg from FamilyFriendPoems.com. Thank you for joining us today for Ed's Up. We're always interested in stories about children and those who care for them. If you'd like to share your story, email us at edsup at olemiss.edu. Until next time, bye-bye. Ed's Up is a production of the Graduate Center for the Study of Early Learning at the University of Mississippi. The views and opinions of podcast participants are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the university, its employees, or any affiliated entity.